Hello and, oh, hello and welcome to a Tuesday afternoon edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page where we've got football, baseball, football, whatever content you could think of. So uh, please, please subscribe, like, and share this uh, video. And also you can check out the Big D Podcast on Spotify and Apple iTunes. So please, if you're more on audio, please check it out there. So usually, when we usually when this felon and I talk, he's somewhere in uh, Kentucky. But uh, on fall break from Murder Beach, South Carolina, is my friend uh, Larry Grin. And Larry, uh, what are you doing in Murder Beach, South Carolina, of all places? Well. Great time. The weather's great. We have fall break at our school first week of October. And even better than that, we got some good friends that have some timeshare that they uh, pass our way. And all we got to do is get down here. It doesn't really cost us anything. So I'm just chilling out, hanging by the pool, the beach, and going to hopefully watch some baseball this week. Yeah, baseball and football. And speaking of football, uh, usually when we talk Kentucky sports, we talk a uh, big blue nation on the hardwood, but now we're talking big blue nation on the bluegrass itself. You got it right, man. We're a football school now. <laughs> yeah. Kentucky <laughs> or football school. What is it must be 2021. Yeah, it's uh, unusual, but Mark Stoops has done a great job. He built a good program there. They're still not, uh, in the elite teams of the sec but they're they've come a long way and i know you didn't like them beating your gators last saturday yeah for the first time since 1986 kentucky beat florida and lexington 20 to 13 and i'll yeah. and I was, go ahead there have been some heartbreakers along the way a lot of times kentucky had double digit lead in the fourth quarter and let it get away but uh, they finished the job this time i think i remember one time when one time where Kentucky ended up playing. Kentucky ran a play with ten men, and Florida saw and just scored a late touchdown in Lexington and broke your heart. But uh, watching the end of that game was weird because every time it seemed like Florida made a play, there was a penalty. Like, like I've got the box score here for that game. Guess how many penalties Florida committed? Oh, they must have had. 12 to 15 and 150 yards worth. What was it exactly? 15 penalties for 115 yards. Kentucky committed four infractions. I think of those penalties, eight of them were false starts. I think the crowd was a factor. Uh, Kroger Field, formerly known as Commonwealth Stadium, it's not the largest place. It's about 61,000, but apparently they were pretty raucous and uh, had a little impact on the game. It's, yeah, I'm. I'm thinking it's not the it's not Death Valley at night. No, it's not. But uh, actually, they got LSU coming in this weekend, and uh, Trey and I are headed up to that game. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that game. But heading into the Florida meme, did you think Kentucky could pull a major upset on the Gators? Uh listen. When the Gators had beat had beaten us 33 out of 34 years. I wasn't – my expectations weren't too high, but I know Kentucky's really late, raised the bar with their talent level, and they compete well every week pretty much, even in the SEC. So there's always a chance, and they got it done. So Big Blue Nation's pretty happy. There were a lot of couches burned in Lexington, Kentucky that night. 
What's with all the couches being burned? I'm like, I hear this. To- I mean, I know like toilet papers going around town and around in Auburn, Alabama, but what's with all the couches being burned? Like, you don't burn couches for a full win, even against an old rival. Well, that's what they do in Lexington. Listen, we haven't had a lot of big wins in football. So when we get one, we got to go all out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, looking back on that game, one guy who was big was DeAndre Square. Did you see how many tackles he got in that game? I knew he had a bunch. How many was it? Thirteen. Thirteen. The, def- the defense definitely won the game. I mean, Florida controlled the game. They far outgained Kentucky in yardage, but that one block field goal return for a touchdown, that was a game changer. Special teams, baby. Yeah, that's right. Kentucky won it with defense and special teams. Their offense wasn't the greatest, but they did just enough to win. How many games have you? How many games have you seen where like a block kick changes everything, and whether it be or like a special teams moment? Because it seems like that special teams moment, especially if you're at home, galvanizes the crowd. It does. It, it changed the momentum of the uh, direction of the game. So it turned it in Kentucky's favor and it was a big play. So, again, all three phases, you got to usually do well in all three areas to win. They said Kentucky's offense wasn't the greatest, but they rushed the ball pretty well. But uh, we're supposed to have this new air it out uh, pass offense, this air rain kind of thing. It hadn't quite worked out that way. But they do have a great offensive line and a great run game. Yeah, Kentucky threw the ball for 87 yards. You're not going to beat a top 10 team very often throwing for 87 yards. And, but the one thing you did, Florida's got like one of the top two or three rushing offense in football. Yeah, Florida rushed for 171 yards, but that's actually way below the Gators average. I think they were averaging like 250 or close to 300 yards on the ground. So you limit them to barely four yards to rush. So it's not like Florida broke one big play. They just, it was just more three yards here, four yards here. It's like you kept the Gator rushing attack mostly in check. Eliminated the big play. So that definitely made a difference. Yeah, and uh, defense and uh, Rodriguez actually led everybody with 19 carries, 199 yards, and a key touchdown. But uh, I mean, the best thing at- was he didn't he didn't cough the ball up. He's been fumble happy here so far this season. But Kentucky going in that game was actually a minus nine in turnover margin. Yet they were four and zero, which is hard to do. But they hung on to the ball is one of the reasons they won that game. Yeah, I mean, look at, looking at the stats of that game, Florida outpossessed Kentucky three to two, put up three hundred eighty-two yards compared to your two hundred twenty-four yards. Better on third down. Kentucky was one and nine, one and nine on third down, one and nine on third down, and you won a game. Hey, we'll take it any way we can get it, Big D. <laughs> so. I mean, and uh, of course, uh, being being next to my neighbors, you and I always stretch talk for football teams. I'm like, I'm like, I knew you were going. I knew you were going to say something about that game. 
Yeah, well, listen, as I said, we've only beaten you two times in 35 years, but two times in the last four years. So you knew I had to say something to you. Yeah, I, I, I knew what was coming. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, so now with Kentucky 5-0, and the good news is you got by Florida, but now you've got a pissed-off LSU team coming off its first loss to Auburn in Death Valley since 99. And, you know, you know, anytime LSU and Kentucky meet up, it uh, could be crazy. I think of that 2007 game that went into triple overtime, my memory serves me right. Yeah, that win vaulted Kentucky, I think, to a number six ranking in the nation. And then, you know, who came in the next week and beat them, don't you? And then Florida spanked you in Lexington. Yeah, and then I think we turned around and lost the Mississippi State or someone. We were heavily favored, and the season kind of fell apart. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen this time around. I mean, I don't know if you saw the uh, LS, the Auburn LSU game, but the Tigers look the LSU Tigers did not look great. I mean, LSU had not lost to Auburn at home since '99, and Auburn won. Yeah, uh, LSU's got plenty of talent, obviously, so that should should be a good matchup. I saw the uh, early on at least Kentucky was favored by a point, which is unusual for Kentucky to be favored over LSU, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, maybe maybe Kentucky being a favorite of LSU on the hardwood would be common, but not on the football field. Exactly. Now, LSU's, uh, they've raised the bar a little bit themselves on the hardwood. The SEC, uh, in terms of basketball, has definitely elevated its status. It used to be Kentucky and everybody else pretty much, but uh, it's a balanced league now. Yeah, just how we want it. So now – we transition from your Wildcats to your Braves. And uh, how about that run the second half, the last two months in the year? Because in, when Acuna tore, Ronald Acuna tore his ACL in Miami, I thought the season was over. I thought the season was over. I, I was thinking the Braves are going to sell a few guys. You didn't sell I wasn't, I wasn't sure, Dylan, uh, even before Acuna's injury, I wasn't sure – the Braves were going to be able to pull it together and make a run. But what they did have going for them, no one in the NL East had really made a move. So we were able to hang around. Our GM made some great trades without giving up a whole lot at the deadline. Remade our entire outfield. And uh, we had one little stretch there. We won nine in a row and 16 out of 18. And that vaulted us from three, four, five games back to three or four ahead. And we never looked back. And then, of course, sweeping the Phillies and sweeping the Phillies the last week helped. And you know who was there on the clinching night? You. I was. So at the start of our fall break that uh, we let out on Thursday afternoon, I headed down to Atlanta. So it was fun being there. It was a it was a tough year. A lot of ups, a lot of injuries. Besides the Cunha injury, I had a lot of stuff going on. But to their credit, they figured it out. Did you know that? Uh, Braves have 21 division titles, most in baseball. Of course, that didn't come about till what, 69, but the Braves have won their share of division titles. Just maybe they'll get hot this year and make a run. You know, and it's all about pitching and timely hitting in the playoffs, so maybe uh, things will go their way for once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the Braves won 14 in a row from 91 till 2005, and now have won four in a row. I'm like, I'm like, how many divisions are the, the Braves just win divisions in streets? 
<laughs> yeah, let's hopefully they'll do uh, 14 more. Now, what I had my eye on was uh, the Dodgers. I was afraid they were going to make a run at that 14 divisions, and it took the Giants one of the 107 to break the, the Dodgers division streak and protect that 14 straight for the, the Braves. So what do you think about that uh, winning 106 games and having to play in a one-game wild card elimination scenario against your St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, I mean, let me tell you this: if the Dodgers lose tomorrow night, there won't be another one-game playoff. Yeah, that's uh, almost seems unfair, but it's, it's great for the fans. I mean, you got Yankees, Red Sox tonight. You know the history of that rivalry. And let's say the Dodgers do beat the Cardinals, and then you got Perfect. first time ever the Giants and the Dodgers in the playoffs. I'm just, yeah, it's about time the Dodgers and Giants meet in the playoffs. I mean, the first time Cardinals and Cubs met in October seemed different because there have been thousands of Cardinal Cup games, but seeing one in October felt different. It just made the rivalry extra spicy. Playoffs are a lot of fun, uh, fun for the fans. Pretty stressful, I guess, if you're a serious fan. But uh, I know you know your stuff, so I, I'm kind of curious. You got any got any predictions for me on uh, wild card games or playoffs I'm, overall? I'm going to save my predictions for later. But uh, back to the Braves. Uh, a couple key guys, one offensively and one on the pitching side, have been key to you. Uh, Austin Riley's emergence at third base has been enormous because, as you know, Riley had not really done much at the big league level. I mean, bounced back and forth from. Left field, third base had not shown his true potential, but how big was the young pup this year? Uh, it was unbelievable. I think folks thought maybe down the road he could do something like this, but if you think about it, this was his first full big league season. He came up for a little cup of coffee in uh, 19. Of course, 20 was a shortened season. So he went into spring training this year being a guy that really needed to establish himself. There, there was a, a little uh, – competition for the third base everyday job he got it and now look what he's done and I think Chipper Jones apparently spends a lot of time with him and uh, who better to teach a guy some plate discipline than Chipper yeah especially yeah Larry Wayne Jones Larry Wayne they love chanting Larry in uh, New York they might be. They might be chanting. The, the Mets might be. Fans might be chanting a few more names after this year, but we'll leave it to be. Yeah, the Mets. Uh, they led the NL East for a long time, but they eventually kind of fell apart. I, I saw yesterday they're not bringing uh, Rojas back. Who, who you think uh, might be a front runner for next manager of the Metropolitans? Uh, I'm just thinking that. I'm just thinking the Met job might be might be a curse because Deltron was there for what an hour and then he and then he was fired from the Astros scandal. I wouldn't be surprised if the raised bench coach is potentially the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, it seems like everybody's been picking raised coaches, trying to find a piece of that Kevin Catch magic. They do something right in Tampa, don't they? Yeah, they win a hundred. Yeah, the Rays won a hundred games <clears throat> with with having what the twenty six highest payroll. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They do something well in that system, top to bottom. 
Yeah, and look at it last year. <laughs> got that the Rays used that big that three-headed monster with Blake Snell, Tyler Glassnow, and Charlie Moon. Well, guess what? Snell wasn't himself from San Diego. Yeah, Charlie Moon pitched well, starting game one for you on Friday. And Glassnow went Tommy John. So you win with pitching one year, and then the next year the Rays, the Rays have got a great offense. Yeah, they kind of remade themselves. But you, you and I went to a lot of games there at the Trop. So we'll see what they do. Uh, a lot, I know there's the favorite in the AL, but, man, playoffs are a crazy time. You never know what, what's going to happen. Yeah, especially when you – because the race <clears throat> on the face of the veteran ride from the matter of who wins in Fenway tonight. And, I mean, the Rays just faced – and Yankees just faced each other this past weekend, so they're going to be familiar with each other. And Boston, depending on what happens, could have Chris Sale available for game two on Friday if they win. So <laughs> you never know what to expect when you get the pitch and rivals meeting in October. Kind of seems uh, unfair as the current <clears throat> system, <clears throat> but – How'd you like to be the Giants and win 107 and have to face your division rival potentially in round one at 106? You know what? Knowing the Giants, I don't think they care. We take you have to face the Dodgers in the NODS or NOCS. Just make it early. Just get it over with. You only have to be in three times instead of four. Let's go. Speaking of Charlie Moon, excuse me, not well, not Charlie Moon, but how well did Max Freed pitch the last five, six weeks of the season? One NL pitcher of the month became the first Brave to win it since Chris Medlin in 2013. Yeah, that's a name for you. Maximum Freed. I, I, I think he's been the best pitcher in baseball the second half. Lefty can hit about 96, paint the corners with that. And he's got that nasty 12 to 6 curveball. So he's uh he's established himself, I think, as one of the best pitchers in the game. So I definitely like the one-two punch of Morton with his playoff history and then Max in game two and hoping Ian Anderson kind of can emerge as a, a, a solid game three starter. So we'll see what happens. It's been an interesting series with the Brewers. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be uh, unique series because everybody's looking at Milwaukee's great starting trio with Colvin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Peralta, but Atlanta's <clears throat> more capable, especially with Morton, Freed, and Anderson, if he's right of matching them, and it could be low-scoring, it could be a very low-scoring series, and remember Devin Williams breaking his hand, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, he's, not he's uh... Lesson there, don't punch walls during the celebration. Not with your pitching hand, for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. I remember Julian Tavares doing that many years ago, and uh, it didn't help matters. Now, you see, the Braves, uh, their best starter early on was uh, Yanoa, and he did the same thing, punched something and missed several months, and he hadn't been the same since. So if they get if it goes to a game four, he may be their their game four starter. It might it might be Morton on short rest, or it might be a bullpen game. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. Yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. Wait till you see bullpen games in October. Like 
game seven and everybody's using a bullpen game because literally I cannot start anybody. Yeah, games changed a lot. Yeah, openers, bullpen games, and now you and now I mean it, it changed by the minute with how analytics drives everybody. It's like it's like more the GM is running the team mm-hmm. than the manager. I mean the manager Yeah, but uh do you think Tony LaRusa and Dusty Baker are gonna follow those all those metrics or you think they're gonna go with their gut? Well, I mean, if you look at Gio Leaders throwing seven shutout innings, or Lance McCullough's, for that matter. I mean, if Lucas Giolito and Lance McCullough's are throwing shut-up base, I mean, throwing unhittable baseball, I think I think both of those managers would go with uh, their ace. Yeah, uh, those guys are a little cut from a different cloth than some of these younger managers, but all the analytics and all the advanced scouting and and stats, and there's so much that go into it. You don't see the days where, you know, a guy comes in, guy throws 150 pitches as necessary to, you know, to do what needs to be done. You know, starters get pulled now. They're not even necessarily pitching poorly, and they get yanked after three or four innings. Did you see Did you see the start where Tanner Houck was throwing a perfect game for, like, five innings, five plus, five innings against the Nationals, and the Red Sox yanked him? Uh, that's a crime against humanity and baseball, Dylan, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I do think pitch counts have become a little too sensitive because it seems like, oh, you can't throw 90 pitches. And I'm like, well, guys threw 120, 100. Now, true. The one difference is everybody's throwing the ball so much harder than they will. 30, 40 years ago, and they're throwing max effort, so maybe they can only throw 90, 100. I understand. They're, those arms are major investments. They're protecting their investment. And this season, coming off of a shortened 60-game season, some of these pitchers, pitchers, you know, it's been a couple of years since they were stretched out to this capacity. So they're, they're trying to protect them a little bit. I'm sure fatigue was an issue. But, listen, you get to the playoffs, man, you're, you know, Look at Madison Bumgarner. You're you're going on adrenaline at that point. You just go out there and do what you got to do. Hey, I mean, uh, I mean, you think? I mean, Max Scherzer's pitching well. Yeah, speaking of the end you know, of the uh, wild card games, uh, I've been intrigued to see what happens tonight in Fenway because I don't know what Garrett Cole we expect because one day he t- shuts out. A team with 15 strikeouns, and another day it gives up eight runs and 30 in the third. I cannot figure out Garrett Cole. It's uh, it's going to be a madhouse at Fenway tonight. Imagine being there. I'm sure uh, nobody's getting a whole lot of work done in the city of Boston or all of New England today, getting fired up anticipating this game. So I know you'll be tuned in watching. I'm, I'm hoping to be watching myself. It, could be another uh, added chapter to the long, crazy rivalry of the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yeah, I remember J.D. Martinez is not playing due to the, one of the weirdest injuries I've ever heard of. He hurt his ankle running, running past second base on Sunday. To the I got hurt? I didn't see it. I just know they took him out of the game, and the game they had to win, so you knew it had to be – somewhat significant and then I, I read where he's you know he's not in the 
the playoff game tonight, but I'm sure if they win at that point, he goes on to the, the roster for the LDS. Yeah, J.D. Martinez is not on the wild card roster when I play, but does that mean potentially Kyle Schwartz would DH him, I'm guessing? Uh, maybe. That, that guy was lights out for a while, and the game changed so much. I mean, get these guys changing teams midseason. I, I read today where Trey Turner is the first hitter since Willie McGee that won a batting 19, title. In 19... In 1990, in fact, Willie McGee, in fact, the funny story of Willie McGee, he left the corners in August, but had earned enough, but he got enough playing appearances to qualify, and his mark held up, even though he didn't play with St. Louis for the last month or so of the regular season. Where did he get traded? Uh, Oakland. Oakland. So... He he still he won the NL batting title then even though he finished the year in the American League. Yes, that's crazy. And uh, with the NL wild card, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see those two those two OGs pitch because I mean you've got Max Scherzer throwing I mean still throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. I mean two starts this year was practically unhittable against the Redbirds. 14 what, 14 innings. innings, no runs? Is that right? Yeah, struck out 22. Are you uh, are you nervous for the game? No. No. I mean, thinking of uh, – talk about the Braves had a little spurt there. Your Cardinals had a pretty nice run to put that wild card away. I mean, I haven't seen anything like that in St. Louis. Holy cow. 17 in a row, that's – that's nuts. I tell you what, if the season lasts a little longer, they might have ran down the Brewers for uh, the central divisional title. Uh, I don't, that would have been that would have been a little something in itself, right? Yeah. I mean, the fact same. I mean, in many ways, the Cardinals could remind people of those seven Rockies coming into the playoffs, winning like every game but one, and you never want to face a streaky team. <clears throat> And Adam Wainwright is not pitching like a 40-year-old. He's pitching like a 25-year-old against Carlos Beltran in 2006. Yeah, but look look at what happened to the Rockies. They made, went on that run. They swept the playoffs all the way to the World Series and then had to wait eight days or something, and then that uh, didn't work out too well for them. Of course, they had to face the, the Red Sox. Hey, hey, we didn't need rest the year before against the Tigers. Yeah, the – you wonder about the teams laying off right now, waiting uh, for this division series. I know the the Braves were playing good baseball. Now you go you go four or five days without without playing. Be interesting to see what happens with the timing for hitters. And but it's all about television. They spread these games out, and yeah, you used to seem like they played every day. They played in the afternoon, uh, but they it's definitely all about TV. Yeah, it's all about bringing in the bucks, right? Exactly. So uh, now we get to the fun part. Uh, I'm not sure you want to remember this game, but do you know what today's date is? Mm, 
it's October the 5th, and I'm afraid you're going to run me. Maybe it's the 2012 <laughs> wild card game anniversary between the Cardinals and Braves. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I knew you'd bring this up. <laughs> I couldn't help it. In case you where, want where, to... Where's, where's Sam Holbrook's what I got to ask? Uh, he is not here. I can confirm that. Okay. Now, was that an infield fly or not? Uh, no, no, that was not an infield fly. I mean, that yeah, the Cosmo was practically was half was halfway to Savannah when he, he lost the ball. Well, I uh, I hate that Chipper Jones had to go out like that, but uh, that's that's the game. Who knows if um, if that's not called an infield fly? Maybe the Cardinals still win the game, but it was heartbreaking for the Braves and for Chipper Jones to go out that that way but he i think he chipper had a pretty critical error in that game as well yeah that they were there were a few errors in that game i mean medlin was in himself but the braves defense really didn't help you get in these one game playoff situations man it said uh you better you better feel the ball the one thing the braves got going for them on that is their infield's phenomenal i think a lot of that's attributed to ron washington and his work I'll tell, I'll tell you, Ron Washington's unbelievable. I mean, he, what he does, the Braves, I mean, Ozzy Alpes has been a stall this year. I mean, he, it seems like he's hit everyone. Righty, lefty, doesn't matter. Yeah, he is. If he uh, cuts down his uh, – if he, if he develops a little more plate discipline, lays off some bad pitches, he's um, he, he could be an MVP candidate one day, in my opinion. <laughs> and uh, speaking of defense, I think the Cardinals outfield defense will be – key the moment night because with three rabbits in the outfield I think the I think those guys will be key in catching every fly ball because even though Max Muncy's probably not playing the Dodgers still have more still have more power than anybody in baseball yeah I said Wayne Wainwright's uh discovered the fountain of youth or something I expect him to throw a good game but I bet Scherzer will as well runs are going to be at a premium yeah, I th- I think that game could be a little old school. That that might be that would be like Chris Carpenter, Doc Holliday, twenty eleven, where it's one nothing. One guy throws a shutout, one guy throws eight innings. I'm like, get that game over with two and a quarter hours. Yeah, it could be. And then it'd be fifteen fourteen. We're wondering what the heck happened. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what happened. It'd probably be an offensive shootout. Yeah, it'll be it'll be everything, but. <laughs> So, uh, you ready? You ready for the playoffs? You ready for October? <laughs> I'm ready, man. I'm I'm excited. I've uh, interested. You said something about predictions later. I didn't know if you meant on uh, some separate podcast. You're going to give them out today? No, no. Be honest. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if either team wins. I think the Red Sox having home field matters, even though we've seen in the we've seen road teams win. I think home field advantage matters and I don't know what Gary Cole we see tonight. He's been struggling for sure. He's been way too inconsistent. I mean like the Indians got him, but I mean if we see the good Gary Cole tonight, it wouldn't surprise me if the Yankees won, but going on the road the Fenway is never easy. And uh I I really don't know what happens in all I think it'll go either way. I mean, if the Cardinals can make it a bullpen game, I think they've got an advantage. I just hope Mike Schilt doesn't 
keeping Adam Wainwright because because he's Adam Wainwright because Columbus got a good bullpen. Yeah, it. Uh, I'd say the leash will be the leash should be pretty short for Wainwright tonight. As good as he's been, because that's one game scenario. You got to the probably. Probably the game will probably be overmanaged if if anything. Yeah, you mad you imagine if uh I mean best case scenario for call realistic best case would be like one one top seven. If you if you said to Mike Jones the call it's one one top seven, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I take that. You'll take it. I'll be thinking of you tomorrow night when I'm watching that game. <laughs> Hey, I know I know you would love the Dodgers being out of the playoffs because then we'll one then we'll one round close to a rematch to a to an NLCS well, matchup. I, I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, each of the last five times the Braves have been eliminated from the playoffs, it was by either the Dodgers or the Cardinals. So my <laughs> preference would be for both of you guys to lose a wild card game. Unfortunately, that <laughs> unfortunately that can't happen. Actually, I want your Cardinals to win through to the NLCS because, if I'm not mistaken, that means the Braves, even though they had a, a worse record as division champ, they would uh, get home field, wouldn't they? Uh, should. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, I'd like to see a rematch so, of the, 90, the 96 NLCS. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got the wrong gear in there. You got the wrong gear. I was thinking 82. I, no, I didn't like 82. That, didn't, that went 3-0 Cardinals. I didn't like that year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's best of seven now, so it can't be 3 0. Yep. <laughs> All right. It's going to be so, fun, though. Playoffs are a lot of fun. Oh, it will be fun. So thanks for hopping on and uh, wish you Cats and Braves well. Yes, sir, Big D. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it.